We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. 80% of patients were getting antiviral drugs in Wuhan, and doctors were doing just everything they could to save these patients' lives. But now they're realizing that there are some side effects and some drawbacks to these medicines. That's health reporter Michelle Cortez. We'll have more with her in just a moment. This is WBBM's In-Depth, where we take a deep dive into a story we're telling on the air. I'm Cisco Cotto. This week, we are continuing our discussion on COVID-19 as some states are starting to reopen... However, there are warnings from public health officials about opening too much too soon. We'll talk about that. We'll also take a look at job prospects for college grads in the current COVID environment. Many industries have changed dramatically in the past month, including restaurants and airlines. We'll talk about what they may look like when we figure out the new normal. Another area of the economy hit particularly hard, the movie business. There's one bright spot in the space, though, the good old-fashioned drive-in movie theaters making a comeback. Let's first off get the latest on the national spread of coronavirus. Some new guidelines actually coming down from federal health officials. Michelle Cortez, health reporter at Bloomberg News, based in Minneapolis. Michelle, tell us, what are the feds saying here about treatment guidelines? So the National Institutes of Health pulled together an expert panel. There's about 50 people, statisticians, pharmacists, drug experts, virologists on how to treat COVID-19. And basically what they've come up with is some recommendations on what doctors should do. Mainly they're recommending oxygen, uh, supportive care, but they also say that patients should not be getting a combination of hydrochloroquine, which is the malaria drug, and azithromycin, which is an antibiotic. And that's the combination that President Trump has been really positive about. Also, they're waving people off the HIV drugs that there was early excitement about as well. Does that just reflect the difficulty here you have in a pandemic with lots of people dying, a real desire to get something and get it quickly and and maybe to try all avenues, but not all of them will necessarily be successful? Cisco, you're exactly right. That's what happened in the beginning. 80% of patients were getting antiviral drugs in Wuhan, and doctors were doing just everything they could to save these patients' lives. But now they're realizing that there are some side effects and some drawbacks to these medicines. And unless they're being used really carefully and specifically in clinical trials, we can't tell whether the risks that they carry, including some that can just cause sudden death, can be offset and outweighed by benefits to patients. So if the doctors, the guidelines that they are issuing, if the doctors determine that there are good treatments, obviously some people sadly are going to die from this, but are are there some good treatments that are helping to keep some people alive? 
They have not yet identified any specific drugs that they're saying all patients should get. They do say that there are medicines like remdesivir from Gilead that they say should be used in clinical trials, and they pointed to some compassionate use programs for that medicine, and they said that that use of uh, hydrochloroquine alone is something that could be watched. But in general, they say supplemental care, trying to prevent infection with other things, oxygen and ventilation. You have several states, Illinois is talking about how to reopen. You have several states that are reopening. Talk about the challenge as federal health officials see it in if you get a bunch of people back together again, yes, you get the economy going, but there's also a chance for more infections. Yeah, there's absolutely a chance for more infections. And it's going to be interesting how states decide which areas they want to open up first. Some states like Minnesota is saying we're going to let people go back out into nature and into the great outdoors. We're going to allow hunting and fishing and golfing where people, at least in theory, can be separate from each other. Other states like Georgia are opening up for things like getting haircuts and, you know, going to bars and restaurants, which is a little bit more indoors. And of course, we're going into the hot months down in the South. People want to be inside. So it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. It does have to be very careful because if that virus starts circulating again at high rates, and we did have higher rates today than we have had in the past, we saw another uptick. So if that continues, then we're going to have to put a lock on it again. Hundreds of thousands of restaurants around the country and the major airlines all hoping there is not another lockdown. They are really eager to get going and stay going. We'll talk about their situation a little bit later on in the podcast. Now let's talk about the prospects for jobs for new grads. There are a lot of young people graduating and looking for that first gig No one has ever had to try to find a job for the very first time in an environment like this. There are lots of challenges. Tom Gimbel is founder and CEO of LaSalle Network. He joined us on the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Tom, this really is a season like no other. We've never had anything like this. No, that to, to say the least. But the the good news is that uh, you know if you're graduating from college, you're most likely going home and you're living at your folks' place, hopefully. And there's opportunities for you to take some gambles economically, meaning working for less money and or for free to get your foot in the door that you wouldn't probably normally take. Yeah, talk about some of the data that you found. LaSalle Network did a couple of surveys, one before the pandemic hit, one now that we're in the midst of the pandemic, and attitudes seem to be changing. Yeah, predominantly uh, college grads were not uh, overwhelmingly uh, optimistic about taking a temporary job pre-corona. Post-corona, almost 80% were willing to take a job doing temporary staffing to do temporary work. In addition is that there was very little flexibility on salary pre-corona and uh, post-corona May 2020 graduates are willing to take a a lower salary than their expectations. So they're understanding that these are really precarious times and that lends themselves to be more flexible, more willing uh, to take some different avenues. And that's what it has to be. You have to be willing to be creative and you have to be flexible, and that's what employers are going to be looking for more now than ever. What are grads supposed to do, given the fact that you know you're not going to have job fairs, everything's going to be online, you're going to submit resumes, you have no idea if anyone is even doing any sort of interviews. I mean, it, it, how are they supposed to go forward? Well, and that, that's the challenge. So, what, what's going to be more most important now 
than ever before is attention to detail. And what I mean by that is, number one, have your resume perfect. No spell check, no, no spelling errors, no grammatical errors. Everything's got to be to the T because that's what you're going to be judged by. Number two, there's going to be more Zoom and FaceTime interviews, obviously, than ever done before. So you don't wait until a half hour or 15 minutes before to download Zoom on your iPad or phone or computer. You need to have that done, and you also need to have done a test run with friends or family to make sure that it's working well in advance, meaning hours or days in advance to make sure that you're ready for those interviews. And then thirdly, and maybe most importantly, is there's no excuse not to have the research done on who you're interviewing with, about the company, about the manager, about their, their background and what's going on, because that's the one gift we have been given through this is time to focus. And if you're not going to do the research on that, you're, you're going to be a victim of your own lack of uh, effort. Good insight for college grads looking for that first gig. Let's move from grads looking for their first job to well-established industries. We'll begin with airlines, then we'll move to restaurants. As far as airlines go, they've been looking for a bailout from the government, and it looks like they've finally gotten some help. Ken Goldstein is here, president of KJG International Consulting here in Chicago. Ken, any ideas what the terms of this deal are? Well, as we talked about last week, uh, the situation was the airlines were negotiating with the government under the CARES program because this was, okay, the government said, okay, we're going to help cover your payroll till uh, the end of uh, September. Uh, but the long and short is the airlines then had to give up ownership or equity, and they were a little concerned about this. And as we went on the air last week, we discussed this, and that later that day the airlines for lack of a better term, capitulated and said, okay, we're going to take the money, we'll cover the payroll, and we'll issue warrants, you can take a percentage. So the example is with United, they're going to borrow under the uh, CARES Act loan program an additional $4.5 billion, but it obligates United to issue warrants based on the amount borrowed. So the government could own ship there. And the other thing that's more also important, United announced yesterday their revenue losses for the first quarter, are like $2.1 billion. So it's the biggest loss for them since 2008. So the airlines are in a big world of hurt, and although this is a stopgap, for lack of a better term, to cover payroll, it's not going to get us through it because, long and short, we don't know when this pandemic will either end or become controllable. Whenever that happens, whether it's, I don't know, six months from now, a year from now or, or more, uh, will we be entering a phase of, of new normal for the airlines where things both uh, online and on the plane are just not the same again? Well, let's answer that first with a positive note. The positive note is one of the big things that happened pre-pandemic was everyone was flying, but they hated the fact that they were pushed all together in a small confined area. Okay, now if you fly, they're blocking the middle seats. You may be one of 10 people on a plane that seats over well over 150. Who knows? Where we're going to happen is until such time as people get comfortable with a lot of people together, not much is going to change, meaning people aren't going to fly. They're concerned about it. So what will be the new normal? I'm not really sure anyone knows. I mean, in the airline industry, this has hastened – well, again, let's go back a second. With the 737 MAX problem, the airlines were scam- looking all over. They needed airplanes to fill the demand. Now 
they're trying to get rid of airplanes and retiring new uh, older ones. And the concern is maybe, maybe we have too many airplanes in our fleet. So this is a whole new paradigm that they have to look at and try to figure out what are we going to do. And come the situation when the pandemic is controlled, I wouldn't say eradicated, but hopefully we get a vaccine, testing is up to norm, then you're going to start to say, wait a minute, maybe do we really need to do this business flight? And if the airlines are flying, that's business, what about leisure travel? Are the cruise lines going to be able to come back? Will the hotels be there for everyone? So there's a whole bunch of questions we just don't know. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this all shakes out and when it shakes out. There are a lot of unanswered questions, not only with the airlines, but with several industries, including restaurants. There are many restaurants offering delivery and takeout options, but many people are afraid of trying it. They're afraid that they might get the virus from either the containers or the food. Is it safe? Let's find out. Doug Roth is here, founder and president of Playground Hospitality. Doug, that's my first question to you. If it's takeout or delivery, is it safe? Cisco, I would have to say yes. Uh, Most of the restaurants that are out there today really have a real good idea as to what they need to do in order to make the product that they're serving to you safe to eat. Uh, But most importantly is how they are sending it to you in a delivery package. And that's where there has to be a little bit of concern. It's important to reheat food to 100, 165, take it out of the container, but also take a look of how it's been packaged. If you don't like how it's been packaged, send it back. And there are a lot of players out there that have been doing it for a long time, uh, for instance, the Jimmy John's of the world. But there are others that are new to it, and especially those that are, for instance, in the fine dining world. So be careful when you take a look at some of the packaging, and, when, and hopefully you can get a pretty good idea uh, if it's, it works for you just by looking at it. And unlike before, don't just open that package and eat it right out of there. Not a good idea, uh, because you have no, uh, no idea how long necessarily the delivery person has been out. I mean, clearly, if it's been a half an hour or something of that sort, still be careful and, and go ahead and reheat it uh, up to about a 160, 165 for meats. Um, it all depends. So you can go online and, and get a quick idea as to what the product should be. But that brings it to the point is that most people need uh, thermometers and, and, uh, or obviously taking a look at their oven to make sure that it's calibrated right. Let's talk about what things look like going forward. You will have restaurants reopening sooner or later. Uh, they, they may be a little different, though, right, at least at the beginning? They're going to be very different. Uh, the one good news is that uh, Chicagoans love to eat out, so nothing should stop that. But one thing that will be, uh, will be the experience. And what we have to sort of take a look at is what will that experience be like? And I think initially that's going to be the guests. In fact, it's already happening in Asia. will have their temperatures taken uh, as employees will be as well. There will be a reduced seating capacity by about 50%, so there will be a lot of space between tables. Staff could be wearing face masks. Uh, fewer individuals will be cooking, so as a result, the uh, menu may be smaller. Um, but also a real concern about sanitation. So there will probably be paper menus, uh, condiments maybe uh, also paper. Uh, but in addition to that, how you pay is going to be different as well. A lot of places will probably not be as cash-friendly uh, and app-based. So restaurants will really need to uh, mitigate, uh, obviously, health risks at this point. Yeah, lots of changes in order to stay alive. There's another industry actually coming back from the dead because of the pandemic. The drive-in movie theater is hot again. Paul DeGarabedian is with us. He's a senior media analyst for the box office tracking company Comscore. 
Tom, for people who love movies and they love seeing them on the big screen, a drive-in theater is about the only way you're going to get to see it. That's right, Cisco. It's really interesting, the fact that people feel safe and secure within their vehicle means that they are in their little cocoon of safety, and then they can go to a drive-in and get that communal movie-going experience. You just look over at the person or people in the cars next to you. You're all watching each other laugh or react to the movie. It's like the next best thing to being in a traditional brick-and-mortar movie theater, and it shows how much people love that communal movie-going experience. Yeah, I'd imagine for a lot of people uh, of a certain age, there's some nostalgia that goes along with this, too. 100%. I mean, I remember my, my sisters taking uh, me and my friends. We were much younger than my older sisters. And I hate to admit this now, but they would put us in the trunk, and they would pull in and pay for two <laughs> tickets, and then we'd all jump out. I think this was recounted in, in a uh, Francis Ford Coppola movie uh, uh, many years ago. I think The Outsiders or something like that. So it was a, a time-honored tradition at that time, but... Seriously, it just is a really cool wrinkle in this whole situation where traditional movie theaters are basically closed right now, not available, but people still want to go to the movies. I wonder if we will see traditional movie theaters that have those huge parking lots, if we'll see them, considering the fact, you know, this may go on for a while. It may be a whole summer where we're not able to get into movie theaters. If that's the case, I wonder if we'll see movie theater operators say, hey, you know what, we're putting up a screen in the parking lot. I think we may see that. I think I've read some stories about that actually happening, where if you're going to take that real estate uh, that normally you would bring people indoors, uh, you take the outdoor space and they have those pop-up screens. It's certainly doable. And people want to get out of the house. It's just right now, it's a it's an individual choice whether you want to do that. But if you're in a car and you can go safely somewhere and watch a movie with a bunch of other people where you're in that, again, in that old school situation of going to a drive-in, I think this could be something that could live on after the, the pandemic is resolved and movie theaters are open. Because again, people have a lot of content at home on streaming services, yet even right now they're seeking out those communal big screen experiences just in the old school movie theater. You get a sense. You think Hollywood is at all warming to the idea of allowing first run movies to go to the drive in theaters? Because ordinarily, you know, it's like the dollar or two, the movies that have been out for a long time, not the new ones. Right. That's a really good question. I think in this new world, this new situation we're in, maybe the after effect is that uh, drive ins are given that shot at those first run Uh, movies. And also, I think a lot of what I think a lot of drive-ins do is they do double features. I think that's true even today. And can you imagine the the good old fashioned double feature at the drive-in to me that I would love to see that come back. Of course, there's financial dynamics involved with that takes a lot of space. If you were to build more drive-ins, you need a lot of real estate. And uh, that can get pretty expensive. But I just love the fact that people are seeking this out finding the drive-in again for, uh, you know, at my age, I remember the drive-in very fondly for younger people who grew up on the tiny screen on their devices. The idea of a drive-in might be super cool to them. It's something new, if you will, to younger folks 
who perhaps didn't have that experience growing up. Sounds like a good opportunity for parents and their kids. Thank you, Paul, and thank you. Join us next week for another edition of the WBBM In-Depth Podcast, where we take a deep dive into a story we're telling on the air. Be sure to subscribe to receive this free podcast every Wednesday. And, of course, listen anytime for the stories that matter by listening to WBBM on the Radio.com app or on your radio. Thanks for joining us. I'm Cisco Cotto. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.